Hello and welcome to the Human Factor Podcast, a series of conversations discussing the topics and themes influencing the world of work today. My name is Michael Esau. I'm a global HR advisor at SAP. I'm Simon Humphreys and I'm a solution architect at SAP. Simon, this promises to be a really exciting episode. Um, we're discussing with our guest today the important topic of purpose and, and how you deliver on your purpose, but also then how you execute that. How do you execute the basic fundamentals then brilliantly to bring that to life? I'm really looking forward to this episode. It's, it's with someone that I've had the pleasure of working with, and I'm really looking forward to understanding her thoughts on what purpose means today, but also into the future. And I'm also then looking forward to hearing you know, some of her practical tips around how you then execute that purpose with your organization, um, certainly as we come through this sort of changing times. How about, how about yourself? What are, you, what are you looking forward to? I think even just the definition of what we mean by purpose and what we mean by fundamentals. But yeah, certainly I'm looking at how you balance maybe executing on that organizational purpose, but balancing against the employee well-being, for example, at the heart of that, because you know, taking your employees with you on that on that purpose and that journey, I think yeah. is critical. So, you know, making sure that people are are retaining that well-being as you're then trying to deliver and execute on that. Yeah, good shout. No, I think this is uh, this promises to be a rich, rich conversation. So looking forward to it. I am absolutely delighted to welcome uh, Harriet Green to our podcast this week. Harriet Green is the former chairman and CEO Asia Pacific at IBM. She is a global executive with extensive multi-channel business leadership experience, having lived and worked on four continents. She was CEO of both Thomas Cook Group PLC and the leading high-service technology distributor, Premier Farnell PLC. Harriet is on the Advisory Council for King's College London, board member at Red Badger, and executive chair of Mission Beyond. She was awarded an OBE in 2010 for services to industry, and most recently named one of Fortune's most powerful women internationally in 2019. Harriet, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. A little worried because you and I, when we get together, we can usually talk for Great Britain. So um, hopefully we're going to be concise together today. That's the key word. That's the key word. That's going to be my challenge. So let's put this into context. Let's put this episode into context. So we're talking today about delivering on your purpose and how you do that by executing the basic fundamentals. So let's take a step back. So as we continue to sort of operate and work in really highly disruptive and changing times, having absolute clarity on your vision and purpose, I would argue has never been more important. So having relevancy in your purpose has major implications, not only for customers, but your employees and your future employees. We know that people coming into the workplace, perhaps in the next five to 10 years are more values driven and that perhaps have higher expectations on what an organization stands for and how it operates and will it deliver a compelling experience. So during this episode today, we're gonna to explore the thoughts and insights from Harriet on her experiences of leading organizations in all corners of the globe over the last 25 years, how she transformed the organization she was leading, guided by her philosophy and principles around growth, diversity, inclusion, employee engagement to meet the ever-changing demands of markets and consumers. So purpose, 
Whoa, it's an enormous topic. What does purpose mean to you today? And has your own thinking evolved at all? Yeah, I think that it should start with the questions that you ask yourself at a point whenever you're cognitively able to do so. What is it you value? And what is your purpose here on this planet? And, you know, throughout my business uh, uh, life, throughout my work, issues, fundamental issues like values and purpose are quintessentially key. Uh, I remember, and you worked with me 2006 at Premier Farnell, our very first strategy document to the city to help transform the business was called People, Planet and Profits. And, and that gives you an indication of the issues that were very much uh, on our mind. So I think for me, always values. What is it you value? Uh, uh, what is your purpose in whatever work you're doing? Uh, the only difference for me now is that the majority of my time is being spent on impact and purpose-led startups uh, like the new charity Mission Beyond. But I don't think that this red thread of values and purpose uh, has really changed for me uh, as a leader from those early days. I just want to ask you, it frustrates me sometimes when, so you, you know, we go back to 2006, 15 years ago, but then I still read so many articles where, you know, it's almost people are saying it's so important to have purpose as if it's a, a new thing. You know, it's like, you know, if you haven't done it before, you really need to think about it now. Does that ever frustrate you at all? I think that um, there really is a massive vortex of change that we are trying to emerge through. That's climate change, uh, a health pandemic some of the biggest technology changes that the world has seen in terms of AI, machine learning, security, blockchain. You know, these are extraordinary times from a technology perspective and also rightfully uh, a, a new wave of deep focus on inclusion. So I think it is essential that all of us relook at purposeful leadership you know, that we are not just focusing on burning platforms and aggressive statements of transformation or change. Uh, those who were underrepresented before this vortex of change began are even more underrepresented, uh, uh, more disadvantaged now. And I think leadership has to be so much more empathetic, so much more focused on really creating innovation-led and purpose-led positivity in our teams. And yeah. that needs to be done in a very special and very different way. So yes, it's frustrating that for some of us, this hasn't changed for our whole careers. I think it is uplifting that many, many more fund managers and investors seem to seriously be putting ESG, EDI, and equity targets at the front of their requirements from business so that the people, the planet, 
and the profits really count. Does that make sense? It does indeed. And Simon and I were, were, were recording with Vikas Shah. He made the same point. He's an investor. And he said, you know, if an organization doesn't have, you know, targets now around ESG, for example, they won't invest. So it, it is starting to resonate. There's, there's no doubt. And, and rightly so. If I can ask, just to, from your experience of leading organizations in multiple continents, what has been some of your, your sort of real learnings, I suppose, in terms of creating a purpose across cultures, across geographies, that carries that real relevance? Mostly individuals are more alike, more similar than they are different. People want to get up in the morning and do meaningful work and be part of something that lifts them, an environment where they can bring 200% of themselves to work because it is truly diverse and inclusive. That because of your age, sex, color, creed, sexuality, and physical and cognitive ability, your uniqueness uh, uh, will be uh, 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 treasured. There are differences depending on the developed nature of the environment. So here in Europe, which is quite a mature environment, often helping others who may be very experienced, maybe a little tired of endless change to see why this round is so important to fight through uh, the valimbithamathamus, the indifference or the cynicism. In North America, compensation uh, plays a huge part in the construct of uh, folks uh, getting done what needs to get done. And then in Asia, uh, in many of the developing economies, the sense of urgency and no one really knowing what it is they can't do, uh, this great, like, in the most positive sense, running businesses full of incredible uh, uh, teenagers who just uh, are going to make it happen. The challenge in that environment is often things spiral up fast, but they can spiral down uh, uh, very, very quickly too. So I think that purpose, you know, counts in all uh, our continents. And if we are through this vortex of change, going to get innovation and purpose-led growth, the world needs growth at this time, then I think there are a couple of, of important tips. The data and the research is overwhelming that learning organizations with purpose-led, impact-focused leaders really who embrace inclusion and diversity create the most extraordinary innovation. Uh, you know, after the last pandemic in the 50s, after that, Sony came out with the most incredible innovation. It was called the transistor radio. It transformed an entire industry. The same after the dot-com bubble burst in 2000. Uh, the mighty Apple came out with the iPod, the very first of those. So innovation, purpose-led, comes from you know these learning organizations and from leadership teams that are focused with empathy uh, on the growth not just of the organization but of the individuals within it. Harriet, some have got a concern and this was stated by Vikas Shah when we were talking to him that 
this shift to more of a virtual nature, people working from home. He, he said there's a concern that the innovation may get stunted slightly, that those conversations by the water cooler, the, the conversations in the corridors, those side office meetings, perhaps will curtail innovation. Do you share a similar concern? I think that um, organizations that create an environment uh, that both digitally and in person kind of focus on the, the four C's together is hugely important. I think career discussions and coaching are better done in a more intimate and personal and psychologically safe setting. You can do that online. It's, it's harder to do, but you can. I think that collaboration, really agile work to collaborate and create innovation uh, is often, you can do it both ways uh, and it should be mixed and matched. And then of course, all of us need to feel a sense of community. I think that the better organizations will find ways to avoid the haves and the have nots, that those who choose to work mostly from home feel they are disadvantaged because they're not there in person. And those that are there in person aren't losing out on some of the well-being elements of not commuting. So I think that there will need to be enormous empathy, enormous focus on heart, what I call heart-centered leadership qualities, you know, around truthful and trustworthy, responsible and committed, and also an enormous amount of focus, Michael, which won't be new to you at all, that I've been strong on my whole career is emotional fitness. And that emotional fitness and purpose-led organizations really go hand in hand. And I'm happy to expand upon emotional fitness at any point you want to. We'll come back to that because I, I think that is particularly relevant when we think about how do we execute a strategy? How do we bring purpose to life? And, 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 this, and this, the expression of executing the basic fundamentals. Listen, I got that from you, right? So we used to talk about executing the basic fundamentals brilliantly. And interestingly, a, a colleague of mine who I uh, mentor, she said to me last week, what do you mean by the fundamentals? So we'll come back to that if we may, right? We'll yeah. come back to it. But let's look into the next decade for the moment then. Let's just sort of take that step. And I think this is what's going to be really fascinating. It's a, it's an, a, a great debate. So we know that the composition and shape of the workforce is changing, right? We know the demographics are shifting. It is much more of a, a values-driven uh, demographic. So what do, you, what do you see? What are your thoughts on how organizations will really need to align, if you like, their purpose to their brand? Because that seems to be an, a, a topic that's coming up because I'm talking to organizations and I'm talking to individuals that come into the workplace and they are looking at brands and saying, what does that brand stand for? What does it mean? Well, let's, um, let's go back to a basic fundamental of what a brand is. A brand, in essence, is a commitment and a promise. It's a commitment and a promise to all of your stakeholders, those who own your business, if it's a business, those in government, those in the organization, your employees, your partners, your clients. And that commitment and promise has to be 
absolutely evident, not just in the outcomes, the products, the capabilities, the solutions, but also in all of the interactions with those inside of the organization. And it is almost impossible, I think, as we come out of this vortex of change to envisage an environment, an organization, a government, a company, where the commitment and promise is not in some way for the betterment of people, planet, uh, and, in, and indeed innovation and profitability. So I, I think that it is not possible to separate, you know, these, these important red threads, your commitment and your promise, everything you stand for, everything you say every day, which everyone can articulate, which is a culture, the way we do things around here. And that culture, when people look into it, they see themselves. They see a wide array uh, uh, of individuals. Um, you know, back to my point about because of people's age and sex and color and creed, sexuality, physical and cognitive ability. And if companies don't do that, if yep. that purpose and those values and that brand is not authentic in this huge uh, uh, war for talent, you know, the extraordinary challenges that many are starting to write about, you know, in terms of things like the great resignation, not the great depression, but the great resignation uh, as featured in Fast Company last week. If you are not positioned with an authentic, believable commitment, a powerful set of values uh, that really drive diversity and inclusion that not only hires, you know, superb people, but progresses and retains them, then you will lose that war for talent. And whether you're a government, an organization, a business, you lose the war for talent. If you don't have great people, then you certainly won't have great clients. Uh, and that is the end of a business. So it's absolutely fundamental. And a great tip when we come on to tips is involve your teams at this critical time in ensuring that your commitment and your promise resonates with all of your communities. Harriet, when I go back to Premier Farnell, we were very clear on what our employee value proposition was. And it's been really interesting talking to organizations and we were talking to Gethin Nadian on the first episode. The EVP almost got lost. It almost vanished. You didn't see it. And, and Gethin commented on that. I was just this weekend reading an article by Gartner that was talking about uh, the post-pandemic EVP and they were calling it the human deal. And again, I was reading it, and of course, it had purpose, it had growth, and it had all of these different bits and pieces. Do you foresee that organizations almost need to go back to that fundamental of what is your employee value proposition? What does it say on the tin? What can we expect from you? But what do we then expect back? You know, do we almost need to go back to that? Yeah, I think it's a wonderful way of, um, as we're all emerging, many many slightly battered, some confused. Uh, no one is the same as we were a year ago. And I think having a great human empathy for, you know, the different struggles that everyone has had, that a great way to unify the teams, a, a, an important 
purpose-led and innovation-led exercise using Agile, using basic collaboration tools is what is our commitment and promise? What is our proposition to each other, uh, to our clients, to the people that invest money in us, to the people who vote for us, to the people in our organizations, and to be involving teams both in offices, in remote locations, online, to work around that sense of community, shared purpose, uh, and without an employee value proposition, that give and take of, I give you this, and in return, uh, I need this, because I think there are some unanswered questions. You know, many companies are not yet ready to state what their future of work strategy is and waiting for everyone else to say, oh, it's fine if you've moved to the Outer Hebrides and just want to work from there, that's fine. We'll be hiring you and, and that will be great. And yeah. that doesn't ring very true uh, uh, to everyone, but equally the notion that we'll all go back to commuting, in my case, spending seven hours every other day on a plane is, is not going to be the normal course either. So it is a wonderful way to motivate and connect with the teams to, and, and some may come out of it and say, this brand, this commitment and promise, the same as a hundred years ago is fantastic. Yeah. But for most, it will be, there are some things we need to do very, very differently and better. When you look at Glassdoor, so one of my colleagues said, you know, brands don't own their reputation anymore. You look at a Glassdoor and we almost own them as, as employees, don't we? And we talk a lot about the itchy feet syndrome. Uh, and you talked about there the war for talent. You know, one of our HR colleagues, he said to us, it's a talent jungle. It, let alone competing for what you can see, you're competing for what you can't see, right? You know, you've got to go and surface talent that you don't even know you need yet, he said. So... We know that this next 10 years is going to be really interesting in terms of will people go into freelancing? Will the rise of the contingent continue? Will the traditional workplace contract be what it is today? I'm hearing HRDs tell me that they're hiring for senior roles and people only want to work four days. They'd like a fifth day to do something for themselves, like volunteering. So we know that that makeup. So let's ground it back, right? Let's ground it back then. So one of the things I often say to people is, the attraction and retention is one of the biggest challenges you have at the moment. You, you have to have a strategy around it. So let, let's, let's go back to that question then of how do we execute this then? What do organizations need to do to bring it to life? It is a significant challenge. Making it a way of life and understood by all is no mean feat. So what have been some of your principles, Harriet, around and approaches to making this happen? Yeah, so I think um, having already said in answer to the last question, it's a great exercise uh, with your employees in small groups, larger town halls, one-on-ones. What is our commitment and promise as we emerge from this extraordinary vortex of change? What do we need to do differently and better? I think there's also then a, an enormous need for creativity around a user, you know, a consumer grade uh, employee offering, uh, whether you're an organization, a business, a government, a country, that has a menu of things that will, you know, delight uh, uh, and help and develop a learning 
an innovation and a purpose-led organization, whether that is volunteering, whether that is, you know, shadowing, whether that is sabbatical, you know, a, a an internship, an assignment. I think there needs to be real creativity around the attractiveness of what all of us can provide on the basic foundations, which for me have to be trusted, authentic, and daily talked about, which is this organization, this company, this country, you can bring 200% of yourself to work. That there is a sense of you know, psychological safety, security, a degree of certainty, real opportunity to, to develop beyond the point that you're here, not necessarily promotion, real sense of relatedness to others. One of the biggest challenges between remote and being together is how you relate to individuals. And I think at this time, an issue fundamental that we would have said when we worked together, Michael, is around fairness. There are always, through these changes and a vortex of change, people think, well, they're being treated differently and better than me. Maybe they don't know that, they just think that. So if you go back to the David Rock's model of SCAR, there's some wonderful reminders in there of the basics. But, you know, as I think about the things that I have done that have truly worked, it is involve everyone in that recalibration, then determine, so that's the sort of psychology of it, then be very, very clear physiologically, what are the nerve endings, the processes, the metrics, the daily report outs that demonstrate that we're making progress to that commitment, that promise, those purpose and those values. And then how do we structure the anatomy of, of the unit around the challenges that we have to address? It's a great point about the nerve endings and the processes, because one of the reasons I keep coming back to the basic fundamentals is the DNA of a human being hasn't changed in the last hundred years. We still have our basic needs. As you said, people wake up in the morning and you'd like to think they go to work and hope to achieve great things, but they can't do that without clarity. They can't do that without really timely feedback. They can't do that without really understanding where they fit and how they're perceived. And given that exposure at the right time where they can grow and they can develop, et cetera, et cetera. Some of those fundamentals for me, I think we don't see enough of. And I think that's what contributes to the itchy feet when people are thinking, hmm, I need a different challenge or I'm not stretched or I don't feel fulfilled. And, and I think you touched on leadership earlier and we're going to be talking about the role of the leader uh, in a future episode, but I know that's very close to your heart. We we talked about leadership in great detail when we were at Premier Farnell. How important is the role of the leader and the future leader in terms of really bringing this to life? I'd really just want to welcome your thoughts on it. I think every single person in a leadership position has to relearn their skills for this time. What worked before uh, needs some adaption. Uh, you'll need you know, a new repertoire. You'll need to make sure that your own personal resilience, your physical uh, and emotional state as a leader to be, you know, self-aware, to demonstrate empathy, to create a, a, a safe space of connection 
learn how to bring play in a productive sense into the workplace, keeping the curiosity, you know, pursuing growth over de defensiveness and mindfulness, you know, how to be comfortable with discomfort. That for me is one of the biggest changes that I've been working on with our new uh, purpose startup Mission Beyond. You know, I like to help eradicate or remove everyone's discomfort. And it's just not possible. Yeah. We just have to help each other learn how to be a little bit more comfortable with comfort. And then absolutely lashings and lashings and lashings of communication, stories, storytelling, the lived experience. You know, my three tips on emotional fitness may, well, they probably won't surprise you, Michael, as we've worked together, but you know, I'm always worrying about something, but I have for a long time now, 20 years, I dedicate a worry hour. I ring fence a time in the morning, my most buoyant time actually, to focus on what's really on my mind and what I go and do about it uh, from my three buckets of worry. I have a self-esteem file that you know, because I've shared it with you, and I've encouraged everyone to do at this time all the lovely things, the kind things, the good Absolutely. things. Uh, uh, last week, someone called me the LinkedIn Yoda. I must have read that post 42 <laughs> times, bless her. And then a very simple thing as we connect with our next gen is, is to use, you know, emojis, remojis to convey information of support and empathy quickly online. I've got your back. This is a prickly subject. I see how hard you're working. I don't feel like talking yet. I'm stuck in my own head, you name it. But we also have an age diversity issue that we have to, to address. We do. We talk about the empathy. One of, um, one, of my, uh, one of my customers through the pandemic pulsed regularly and mm. they unearthed a new leadership model through that. They started to see, as you were stating, the birth of this empathic leader, which they were an operation and production environment, that was re quite revelationary for them. And it was yes. almost like, oh, 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 okay, we, we, we get this. You know, the task leader struggled ever so slightly. So yeah. conscious of our time, because we could talk for hours, as you stated at the beginning, this has been fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So as we close, I, I just want to ask for your final words of wisdom and nuggets of advice. You know, being relevant in this changing world is a challenge. What would your key pieces of advice be to listeners, to leaders, CEOs, HRDs who will hopefully be tuning in to this episode? So above and beyond what I've already shared about using this opportunity to really go back and look at your commitment, your promise, your values and your purpose as an organization, as a unit, as a country, whatever it may be. Secondly, I think it's imperative that we all are acquiring the skills that the world needs. Uh, uh, we have to learn, relearn, unlearn. And, you know, they're not all technology skills. We're not all gonna be machine learning experts, but analytical thinking, innovation, leadership and social influence, making sure that your own brand is in really strong shape, and then the resilience, the, the stress tolerance and the flexibility, which are gonna be fundamental as we come through this vortex of change. It ain't done yet, 
and none of us are the same. I think that it is all of our brands. You know, if we live in a country, that country is our brand. If we work for a company, that company is our brand. And so yeah. we have to be the change that the world needs. And in every little interaction, every little activity, whether it's going back to the fundamentals of breathing, taking a walk, being resilient, we have to be the change that we want to see in the world. It ain't someone else's job to do that. I always say, because I believe it profoundly, 100% of the shots that you do not take will not go in ever. And something from my grief counseling as a young teenager, what is the worst and the best that can happen here? And often the worst is nowhere near as <laughs> catastrophizing as we sort of thought in our minds and often the best is even more. Uh, diverse and inclusive teams always, in my experience, always produce better results and have more fun along the way. And I, I really believe that purpose and innovation will lead growth for teams in the most heart-centered and positive way. We have to boost our own morale and those of others. Psychological safety is fundamental. I would always emphasize uh, learning over winning at this time. And you know, I do this to a point of annoyance to my HR business <laughs> partners, but identify and celebrate little victories, little lived experience, storytell wherever you can. It means the world. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. This has been an absolute joy and we truly, truly appreciate you sharing your insights, your thoughts. It's been wonderful. Thank you. It's a great pleasure. Thank you. Simon, it was an absolute treat to have Harriet Green join us on the Human Factor podcast. I've had the privilege of working with her, but I found today absolutely enlightening. Reminders of things that I had experienced, but there were still some really, really important takeaways for me. And, and, and in particular, I think there were two or three. The role of the leader in the future, how fundamental, but how leaders almost need to relearn what being a leader is. Because what was a leader 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, probably won't work as we go into the future. The second one for me was then talking about the employee value proposition and how you build a consumer grade offering, this sort of really menu approach. But I think what I was struck by was Harriet's suggestion that you know, organizations should take this as an opportunity to work with the organization to actually craft what that offering is. And then I think the last one for me was around your brand. Your brand is your commitment and your promise. And I think that's a great reminder that organizations going forward have got to be totally clear on what that commitment is and then deliver on that promise. How about you, Simon? Look, a great conversation. It was it was very interesting to watch the chemistry between the two of you as well. It was clear that uh, she has a lot of respect for you, and you have a lot of respect for her, which I thought was was fantastic. But yeah, when I was when I was looking at the start of the episode again, I was looking for that connection with the employee well being. So um, Harriet used that phrase emotional fitness, uh, and she had her tips for bringing out and and preserving that emotional fitness at a personal level, which I thought was fascinating. Those three tips around 
you know, taking out a worry hour uh, and doing that at the start of the day, having a self-esteem file, uh, but also those emojis as well to, to, to just keep that emotional well-being in place. And then the phrase that stuck with me was the learn, unlearn and relearn. And not just thinking about the technology. We all come out of this pandemic, we all rush back to work thinking we have to learn new skills or we have to adapt our technical skills. But there's a whole lot of other skills that need development as well there. So empathy, leadership, trust, uh, and, and making sure that we, we just continue to learn and, and we, we, we unlearn the bad habits, we relearn things that we need to refresh, but we learn new skills as well. So great episode, I felt. I uh, really enjoyed the conversation and it was just an absolute pleasure to have Harriet with us. I think those are great takeaways. I think for you and I, when we set out to do the podcast, we were really intent on having great debates, having great discussions and really learning from some amazing guests who are bringing some real insights. And, and, and I think, you know, as we close down episode five, I think we're staying true to what we were hoping to achieve. So I'll, I'll leave this and go and get my customary cup of tea and reflect on the conversation and uh, and look forward to our next episode. So Simon, as always, thank you. I do believe on the next one, you're in the hot seat. So I will be hopefully ably supporting you. Um, but until then, I hope everybody enjoys listening to this episode. So goodbye. Goodbye.